This evening's reading comes from the Gospel of St. Matthew, chapter 6, beginning at verse 19. And if you're following it on the St. Paul's Bibles, it's page 971. Uh, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, be, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was not dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. This is the word of the Lord. Shall we just pray? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your Son, our Savior Jesus, and for these amazing words that he shared with the people of his day and which have resonated down through centuries and centuries since. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you, for your Father knows that you need them. So help us to open our hearts to you this, this evening, Father, 
as we seek your face, knowing that you hold our hands and our needs. You hold our lives in your hands. Amen. Well, good evening and uh, welcome everybody, from me too. <laughs> uh, last week, Jonathan was sharing with us a vision for the next few years. Um, you'll remember that the leaders of St. Paul's have been sensing that at the big, as at the beginning of the book of Acts, Jesus is calling us too to begin to give intentionally out of the overflow of the growth and the blessing that he's given us in this church. Freely you have received, freely give. There's a time to sow and a time to harvest, a time to grow and a time to share, a time to fill up and a time to overflow. Because from those to whom much has been given, much is expected. Well, next week I expect that Jonathan will be pointing out some of the financial implications of this vision to us and asking us to be ready to, uh, um, to step up to the plate and... Uh, and uh, to contribute um, as we can in one way or another. So in this moment in between, this, this pause, um, this day when we've been remembering those who have given their very lives for others and for us, I want to focus a little this evening on ourselves and on our Heavenly Father who alone protects us and enriches us and enables us to give. So uh, almost certainly you've closed your Bibles, so perhaps you'd like to open them again, turn back to the Sermon on the Mount on page 971, and the verses as I need them will come up on the screen behind me. This last year has been a very fearful year for our country, hasn't it? And indeed for the whole world. It's often been compared with the Second World War, beyond the memories of most of us, the last time of such national fear, restriction, and expenditure. In the war, the terror of bombs was certainly more intense, yet the fear of the unseen enemy has been just as prevalent, as has been the sadness of being separated from those we love as they lay dying and the anxiety that we hold about the future and whether we will ever have a normal life again. At least in the war, the churches stayed open. And now we face an impoverished future with lots of international and local anxieties. In this section of the Sermon on the Mount, spoken 2,000 years ago, Jesus explores a whole cluster of issues around material possessions, sustenance, wealth, security, motivation, decision-making, and life goals, which apply still to this day. In a dense distillation of powerful themes, Jesus tackles many of the issues which confront us too, as we think about ourselves, our families, and our future. Many years ago, I too, was a student like some of you here tonight, sitting in church, 
hearing this same passage being read. And I had a strong sense then that God might be asking me to give away my conceiver. That's just how old I am. You have no idea what a conceiver is, have you? No, I thought not. It was a combination of a cassette player and a radio that plugged into a hi-fi amplifier and speaker set. And it was cutting-edge technology of its day. And I'm very proud of it. So sitting in my student church, I was hearing a call to sacrifice what was important to me then. Well, being a courteous and well-brought-up child, I felt duty-bound to ask my father if he minded as he'd bought it for me. Very graciously, he replied that as it, as it was a gift, I could do whatever I liked with it. Years later, he smilingly said that it had occurred, him, occurred to him then to add that being a farmer, he had just decided to pull down a ramshackle old barn and build up a much smarter, bigger, newer one, something which Jesus, in a parable, you'll remember, had criticized a self-contented farmer for doing. On reflection, though, my father thought it probably wouldn't help me in my spiritual dilemma. Looking back, I can see that my di dilemma was actually an even greater one than I supposed. A conceiver without the rest of the hi-fi equipment wasn't much use to the church, and the speakers and the amplifier were no longer much use to me without the conceiver. And of course, for my father, a ramshackle barn wasn't much use to him as a farmer, and the newer, larger barn would give him more flexibility and drier storage for his farming. And with the money that he made over the years, he was extremely generous and blessed many people. In the end, neither the parable nor the words of the Sermon on the Mount here give us direct help in the daily decisions that we face. But they do point to some much deeper issues which confront us. So, if we look at verses 19 to 21, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust consume and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust consumes and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So why are you making money? Why are you saving? Is it so that you can feel good about yourself? To kind of raise your status? So that you can have power over others? So that you can feel safe? In fact, ironically, the more money you have, the more you will attract the attention of those who'd like to take it off you. In some ways, you become less safe than you were. Giving our young children flashy mobile phones to wave around has, we discovered, made them a target for street theft and indeed uh, made them potential victims of uh, cyberbullying rather than giving them a means of protection, the opposite of what we'd intended. But more important than that, what we treasure is what we give our hearts to. How sad to see men of my age, polishing their cars on a Sunday morning, what are they treasuring? Something eternal or something temporary? Verse 22. The eye is the lamp of the body, so if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. 
If then the light in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Jesus is continually making the connection between seeing with our physical eyes and seeing with God's eyes. However much we see physically, we also need to see spiritually, and we need to do that far more. The decisions that we make with just our physical eyes could be eternally disastrous. So open, open your eyes to God, says Jesus. Open your eyes to Jesus beckoning you, leading you, guiding you. Otherwise, how great your darkness will be. Verse 24. No one can serve two masters. For a slave will either hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. That's pretty sharp, isn't it? So here's the rub. You're here on a Sunday evening, most of you, to declare God's lordship over your lives. You've sung just now, you are the Lord Almighty, and tried to mean it. But are you also trying to serve wealth? Are you studying hard now so that you'll be able to rake it in later? Are you giving your time now to accruing it? Are you relying on it for troubled times? Are you thinking longingly about it in the middle of the night? Are you wondering how you could obtain more of it? Or in a, a rather sharper, more Jesus-focused way, the same question. Do you go to work to make money or to serve Jesus? Do you trust money for your future or do you trust God? Do you spend more time thinking about wealth than you do about Jesus? If Jesus presented you with a direct choice, as he did to a young man of his day, it's me or it's your money. Which would you choose? If you think the answer to that ought to be Jesus, well, why not go home tonight and write him a big check for next Sunday? How will that feel? What Jesus isn't saying here and wasn't saying to me or my father is that you can't have any money. God gives us the ability to work and to generate wealth and he's glad when we do. What he's saying is, don't trust money. It isn't trustworthy. And don't give your life to money. It, it's not worth it. But your heavenly Father is. Therefore, verse 25, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you'll eat or what you wear or drink, about your body, what you wear. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they are? And can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? Which takes us deeper into one of our primal anxieties, which is the future. Many of us are deeply insecure about the future, and this last year has only made that worse, hasn't it? Jesus isn't talking here about prudent provision for the future. He's talking about fear of the future. He isn't saying don't provide clothes for yourself or your children. Well, he certainly wouldn't be saying that if he'd grown up in Yorkshire like I did. He isn't saying don't provide yourself with food or drink or even, I think, don't invest in a pension. What he is saying is you don't have to be a prey to worry, anxiety, fear about the unknown. 
children aren't plagued by worry about the future. It doesn't occur to them to be so. They know their parents will supply all they need and make all the necessary decisions. They might not like those decisions, and they reserve the right to protest vociferously about them, but they aren't fearful of being left unprotected and uncared for. That is, if their experience of their parents has been good. Well, here is the thing. We have a heavenly father. We won't be left alone at the mercy of the future. We can work hard, we can provide for those we love, but we don't need to feel that deep insecurity about what life will be like tomorrow. We can trust our father. He'll care for us. And he'll probably do it through his family. Verse 32, your heavenly father knows that you need all these things. So now comes the climax. If Christ is your Lord and you owe him allegiance, if the only light worth following is that from heaven, if money isn't worth trusting, but God is, if your heavenly father will care for you, come what may, then why not rather, verse 33, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. Seek God's choices. Strive to partner in God's work. Look for God's presence. Attempt to imitate God's character. Work to advance the boundaries of God's influence. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things which your heavenly Father knows you need will be given to you as well. Work for God and he'll work with you. Labor for God and he'll ensure that you have what you need as his laborer. Where God guides, he provides. Serve God and he'll bless you both with his presence and the richness of his bounty. Not because you've earned it, not because you've successfully manipulated God, but because God loves those who love him and who give their lives for him. Ask yourself, what's worth more to you now, in the future and in eternity? Cars which crash, houses which burn down, phones which become obsolete, money which gets stolen, or the loving presence of your powerful father, which does not. My children once gave me a car window sticker which said, my dad's bigger than your dad. Stuck in the window of our donated fiesta, I thought that showed admirable confidence. But it always reminded me that my heavenly dad is bigger than any other dad. And whatever trouble I get into, my dad can rescue me forever. So if you don't yet know God as your heavenly dad, please ask someone here to tell you more about him. He is the eternal antidote to the anxiety which has been gripping our nation. He is longing to adopt you into his family so that he can care for you forever. We're going to be sharing an act of Holy Communion in a moment, and we'll be reminding ourselves that Jesus gave his life for us, 
so that we might receive everything, eternal life in him. What generosity. If you do know God as your father, then determine to trust him, not your job or your money, for your future. And show him that by choosing to give generously now and by committing to set aside for his work a proportion of the future income that he gives you. I don't suppose that kasiva made very much difference to the church gift day all those years ago. Probably all it did is furnish the vicar with an amusing sermon illustration. However, it showed me and my dad that I wanted to set my Heavenly Father first in my life. And determining as a student to tithe my income has probably released 10% of 40 annual salaries for God's work over the decades. You can do your own maths for your own future. But far more importantly, I and my family have learned in this country and abroad that we can always trust our Heavenly Father to take care of our present needs and to look after us in the future which has released us from the anxiety of the future and the seduction to worship money instead of God. And that has enabled us to go on being generous. We've been privileged to see God's kingdom advancing around us and we've had all that we've really needed. Verse 32. Your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things, food and drink and clothes. So seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Perhaps you just leave these words up on the screen for a moment. I'm going to pray in a moment, but I'm inviting you, if you wish to, as an act of commitment, to stand as I pray. By standing, you might be acknowledging the generous generosity of God towards you, in Jesus' self-sacrifice and his offer of eternal life to you. You might be choosing to worship God, not money. You might be promising to trust him for the future and lay down your fears and anxieties. You might be making a commitment to show your gratitude by offering a proportion of your future income to his work. You might be making a specific pledge to God to be part of the overflow of this church, for the advance of Jesus' gospel. You might be offering your life in his service. I'm not going to ask which, but if you'd like to, please stand now. Heavenly Father, you did not spare your only son and with him has freely given us all things. All things come from you, and of your own do we give you. Accept and bless, O oh God our Father, the intention that's in our heart, the gifts that we are choosing to offer you. And pour on us the spirit of your, your own abundant giving that as we have freely received, so we may freely give back to you.
to the glory of your holy name, through Jesus Christ our Savior, who gave his life for us, that we might receive eternal life in you.